welcome to the first episode of Our Journey with Autism Coming Out of the Fog. I will be your host. My name is Jennifer Slater Sanchez, Dr. Jennifer Slater Sanchez, when I'm being official. Um, I have been in education for the past 25 years. I'm a daughter, a sister, a wife. More importantly, my most important job in the world is being a mom. I have uh, 15-year-old twins, but one of those twins has autism. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm doing this podcast today. One of the things I want you to know is this isn't a scripted podcast. I'm just going to be talking from my heart. This is always something that I wanted to do. I wanted to write a book or blog or something like that. And I would just say that during those early years, it was is survival mode. And so I never really had the time to do that. Um, but it has been quite, you know, an interesting journey. <clears throat> We're a family who like to be on the move a lot. We like to travel. We like to camp, go to Disneyland, ride dirt bikes, uh, and a lot of other things. And as I said, you know, this autism journey has been quite an interesting one over the past decade and a half. Um, we've had a lot of highs, a lot of lows, ups, downs. Um, but regardless of what life keeps throwing at us, we try to just keep moving forward. And, you know, that saying that when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade out of it. That's That's been our saying. Um, today, I'd like to spend this first episode taking you all the way back to the beginning where our journey began, because that my hope is that through this podcast, we can provide other families um, with their own hope and courage and, and a way to find that light at the end of the tunnel. So um, I was 35 when my twins were born. They were eight weeks early, and they spent one month and two days in the hospital, that neonatal unit. They were healthy, but they were tiny. They were about three pounds when they were born. And a lot of times people will say, oh, so, you know, he had autism from the beginning or did you know right away? And I would say no to that because actually they're two minutes apart. Jacob is the older one and Gracie is the younger one by two minutes. Um, but he did things first. He grabbed for things first. He said, mama, he babbled first. And, you know, Gracie started walking by the time she was one and, and Jake was about 18 months and he still wasn't walking independently. He would walk pushing one of those, you know, um, walker things, I guess that you would call them that you get at the store. Um, but he just wouldn't let go to walk on his own. And, and finally about 18 months he did, but there was just some red flags. I would say that started coming up right about 18 months or two years. Um, you know, I don't really know how he got autism. I, I would just say that, you know, that first year he was doing things pretty normally and then it, it just kind of stopped. Um, so it, the age of two, we reached out to our local regional center and started getting some early intervention therapy. And um, actually, both of the kids started getting therapy at that time because really neither one of them was really talking that much. Um, but through that therapy from the age of two to three, um, you know, Gracie was pointing at people in pictures and she could do the little baby songs, you know, patty cake, patty cake back and forth with me. And he just wasn't doing that. He was also a really difficult baby. Um, Jacob cried a lot. Um, I would say that. So I don't know if, it, you know, in a minute, I'm going to tell you a little bit about his food allergies and things, but I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but he did cry a lot. Um, so with that therapy, I mean, he, he did move along, but he just didn't progress that quickly. Still wasn't talking. And so, Right about their third birthday, we went back to the regional center and um, went to have a assessment done to see what was going on. And we didn't have uh, the most touchy-feely psychologist there. And at that time, he actually told me that he had 
pervasive developmental disorder. Couldn't exactly say that it was autism. He was stacking blocks and, and doing things like that, which I thought were genius, but apparently those are all, you know, uh, flags for autism. What is it? The three things, the, the speech and the eye contact and the um, OCD-ness or, you know, wanting to do those compulsive behavior, line things up, which again, I thought were genius. But um, so we were told that he had pervasive developmental disorder, which you may as well just punched me in the gut about 10 times because... I think walking out to my car, I wanted to physically vomit that day. And it was even just really hard for me for several years after that to be able to say the word autism without getting nauseous and wanting to throw up every single time. Um, <clears throat> and I really didn't know anybody else who had a kid with autism. So even though I had, you know, my husband and my parents and, and other family members that were rally friends that were rallying around us, it just it felt so lonely. It felt so lonely not knowing anyone else whose kid had autism. And, you know, you're watching everybody else's kids um, just do those normal things like talking back and forth with, you know, their mommy or saying, I love you. And, and your kid's just not doing that. And it was just a very, very dark and sad time, I would say. And the only thing that I knew, knew how to do was, I guess, uh, you know, go on the internet or, or find some help in books. And so the, the couple of books that really helped me were the two by Jenny McCarthy. I think one is Louder Than Words and the other one is Mother Warriors. And um, I just, I felt like she was such a kindred soul to me. Number one, we shared the same first name, so that was cool. And then number two, she had a boy and he had aut autism too. And she was just so frank in her writing. She, you know, she cussed and <laughs> I just felt like, oh, I could have written this book, honestly. Like <clears throat> we, um, we sound so much alike. And I would say that, you know, that started to help me a bit, just, just finding that somebody else was going through, um, what I was going through, but it was still, it was still just a pretty lonely place. I isolated myself a lot from people. Um, I wouldn't say it was like embarrassing, but you know, when you go on like mommy kid playdates and again, other kids are playing appropriately with toys, whether it's make believe or whatever, and your kids lining things up or your kids running around in circles. Oh, I can think of, the very first um, mommy and me dance class that I took them to. I took both kids actually. And Gracie, my dancer was just dancing so beautifully and Jacob was running around in circles. And I can remember the dance teacher um, sitting all of us parents down and saying in front of everyone, your son makes us all so happy that we have daughters. And again, woo, feeling like, I, I think I felt like I got punched in the face actually that day. Obviously never went back to that place, never will. Um, but just I think that those frank comments from people that just can be so hurtful sometimes. And I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced that. But, you know, meltdowns. My gosh, I can remember every single place where he's had a major meltdown. The Santa Barbara Zoo, he wanted to go on the train. And, you know, our tickets weren't for that train time. And so he's screaming and he's kicking and he's just melting down, throw himself on the ground and people are staring at us. And I could literally feel their eyeballs like through my skin. But then walking around the corner and seeing a, a group of special needs kids that were there visiting the, the zoo that day. And um, one of the boys actually had a ball in his mouth, I guess, to keep him from like biting down on his tongue. And my mom looking at me and saying, okay, is it really that bad? And, um, <laughs> you know, just those little things that I guess put things into perspective that, you know, regardless of what we're going through, there's always somebody who's going through something, you know, harder or, or worse than us. Um, Thomas, the tank engine, we went to go right on that train because Jake really loved trains when he was little. 
And again, our tickets were like 15 minutes later and he's watching the train go by and a massive meltdown happens. And I think my husband had taken my daughter to go on some maze. And so I'm there by myself and again, kicking and screaming at the top of his lungs and throwing himself down on the ground. And some lady runs up and says, can I help you? And I'm like, I I don't know. He wants to go on the train right now and our tickets aren't for like 15, 30 minutes. And she said, hold on, I'll be right back. And she comes back and she says, okay, the train conductor said you can go on right now. And we did. I think I grabbed him and we jumped on that train and, and it saved the day. And, you know, as scarring as those moments have been, they've also been kind of enlightening that there's, there are just, you know, kind people in the world. And I can think of another one at the doctor's office and that one, who knows why he was having a meltdown, but ladies sitting in her chair and she's staring at us. And I think I said to her, you know, your staring isn't making this any better right now. So can you just turn around and look away? And, oh, we've had some experiences through the years, but it's just, it's amazing how those are like permanently imprinted on my brain. Just recently we had gone to um, Disney World and I always think like I prepare for situations A, B, C, D, and E. I always have like the the CIA whenever we travel someplace trying to be prepared for, you know, iPad batteries dying or um, who knows what the situation is going to be. And, and the flight there was, uh, you know, a kid with autism's dream. I mean, a TV on every single seat, direct TV. He could choose any channels he wanted to go on. Well, I wasn't prepared that for the flight home, regardless that it was six hours back to California, that there was going to be no TVs on that plane. So the minute we board, he starts saying TV, TV, direct TV, direct TV. And I'm like, dude, oh my gosh, there, there's no TVs on here right now. You're just going to have to pull it together, watch the movies that I downloaded on your Kindle, whatever. And he's just not having it. So he's kicking the chair in front of him and he's taking off his pants and taking off his shoes. And I'm leaning to the person sitting in front of him going, I'll buy you two drinks at the airport. I, I promise you. And some girl yells back, shut up. I think the whole back of the plane froze for a moment in time thinking, oh gosh, what's going to happen now? But you know, I, I've made it past those moments. I'm I'm not into telling people off anymore. I, I think actually in my head, shame on you that you can't be more understanding because I can guarantee that I'd be a lot more understanding if I was watching, you know, that thing happen. So yeah, we've had some interesting um, situations that I'm sure many of you, if you're listening, can probably relate to. And, and I just want you to know that you're not alone. Um, so I think I took you through about the age of three, four, um, we decided to put the kids in preschool. And it was interesting because the night before my mom kept having these dreams that Jacob had wandered out of his preschool. And I was like, mom, you got to cut the court. Okay. You know, thank you for babysitting them since, you know, I went back to work at like five months old, but it, we, we need to put them in preschool so that they can play with some other kids. But I decided I would stay close by. And sure enough, I think it was 15, 20 minutes into their very first day of preschool. And I get a call. We've had an incident. What do you mean you had an incident? School just started 15, 20 minutes ago. Well, Jacob wandered out of the preschool. And so I rush back over there and my daughter, who's four at the time, tells me, Mom, we were so happy when the black and white car with the red and blue humps brought Jacob back. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. Nobody told me that, you know, police were involved. And that was terrifying, terrifying to think that my four-year-old child that can barely talk um, is out wandering the street by himself. Who knows what could have happened to him? So obviously, um, we didn't have to make the decision to take him out of that preschool because they pretty much kicked us out, told us that he was too much and they didn't want him to come back. So take another punch to the gut right there. So it took a bit to want to put him back into preschool, but we found a, a good one 
about six months later, this one had like three doors that the kids would have to get out of before they could escape from the place and found a really great preschool teacher that I'm still actually in contact with today. And, you know, that was, that was a good time. But again, um, you know, just watching, I think the other kids, uh, learning to write and I don't know, recite nursery rhymes and, and those kinds of things and, or playing with other kids and, and yours just isn't is, is, is kind of hard. Um, not kind of hard. It's really hard actually. Um, so it was time for them to start school, kindergarten. We, uh, red shirted them, I guess you would say they were due in November, born in September. And so rather than starting them at, uh, in kindergarten at four going on five, we started at five going on six so that give Jacob a little bit extra time to kind of mature. And, and, you know, I still had that dream that they would graduate together and, and just do everything together through all the years. And, um, I can remember going into that very first, um, IEP meeting and I was really hopeful at the time that he would be able to be mainstreamed. And I was not the nicest person in that IEP. I'm sure thinking back, um, I was quite, um, matter of fact and quite pushy, I'm sure of wanting him to, you know, be mainstreamed. But also, like I told you earlier, I've, I've been in education for the last 25 years. And as a teacher, I remember what it was like to have very difficult kids. And I think, you know, it was really more about me. I think I was, I was embarrassed. I was, I hate to say it, but probably ashamed that my kid was in SDC and, and, ugh, you know, thinking back, it's like, why, why, why did I even care what, you know, environment my, my child was in, as long as he was going to be getting the help that he needed. That was the most important thing. And I think by the end of the meeting, we did decide that special day class would be the best, um, placement for him. And I, and I did agree that, um, that smaller setting and, and more one-on-one help would be, um, better for him. And so he did, he had some great SDC teachers. He's had some great teachers, but you know, by the time he got to, um, sixth grade, again, just that, that learning gap was still expanding. And so before he went into um, middle school, he went into like, what's called like a functional skills or a pre-vocation program. And so, um, again, I think that was really about me because it, it was hard for me to accept that he wouldn't be getting a high school diploma, but instead a certificate of completion. And I remember thinking that I was going to have to break the news to my husband. And and my husband, Danny was like, who cares? You know, it's the same thing at the end of the day. If he gets to go through the ceremony and graduate, it doesn't really matter what it's called, you know, at, at the end of the, um, at the end of the day. And yeah, so a lot of these things I would say were, were probably on me. Um, just, I guess being, I don't know, embarrassed that I had to admit that, you know, I didn't, um, produce two perfect children. Um, I have one that's pretty perfect and, and actually Jacob is definitely perfect in his own way too. But, you know, if, if you're going through some of those things, um, it, it can be quite hard. And, you know, now he is a freshman in high school this year. It's been a bit difficult with distance learning. Um, but he's been back in school, um, physically for a few weeks and, and the teacher keeps telling me, I promise you, I'm going to be, you know, making sure that he can do these skills. And, and I think that's our, our hope at this point is that he can end up living a, a pretty independent life. Although my very wise daughter has told me since I think about the age of three, don't worry, mom, even after you die, I will always look after Jacob. And so it's just odd that she's always had this sense that she would have the responsibility of her brother one day, but 
my hope is that I can live to be very, very old to not um, have to have her do that for quite a long time. Um, you know, throughout this journey, I, again, I told you earlier that I, I've asked myself quite a few times, like, why me? Why me? And, you know, I, I think that I had to put a lot of faith in God that this was all meant for a reason, whether it's because I'm a, a chatty Kathy that likes to talk a lot or whether it's that I have a lot of contacts that I can help, you know, make this world a better place, whatever it may be. Um, you know, he's definitely made me a better person. I think I'm a much more patient person. I'm a much more understanding person. I think I'm a kinder person. I mean, I, I, I didn't have any training in special education as a teacher. That, that just wasn't my thing. I taught first and second grade and, and then middle school. And um, he's definitely made me a better person. Both my kids have made me a better person. But we've also met some pretty amazing people, you know, along the way, people that if it wasn't for this autism world, I, I would have never met them. And, you know, I hope to spend a few more episodes after this one talking about finding your tribe, because I think that that is so important. And, um, you know, as I said, making lemons out of lemonade earlier, I mean, you know, I try to explain to people that when your child is diagnosed, and I think this is why it was so hard for me to say that autism word for so long, is that there really is a grieving period you have to grieve the loss of what you thought your child's life was going to be. I mean, it's literally like mourning the death. I mean, when I found out I was having twins, of course, I had all of these visions in my head, the cheerleader and the football player, the homecoming king and the homecoming queen, and they were just going to do everything, you know, perfectly along life as twins, and they were going to be so cute and this, that, and the other. And again, to get that diagnosis that what I had set up in my head wasn't going to be how life was going to happen. Um, I had to mourn the death of that. And I think that some people get stuck in that grief and other people to choose to use that grief as like empowerment to do something with it. And, um, you know, I, I can't say that I still don't have ups and downs with it. Um, you know, I think especially through like milestone events, um, you know, eighth grade promotion, like I said, you know, finding out he's not going to have a high school diploma right now. You know, my daughter's learning how to drive. Well, Jacob should be learning how to drive as well. Um, 21st birthday coming up weddings. I mean, I'm never, who knows? I'm not going to say never, but you know, the possibility of wanting to be a mother-in-law to somebody one day, um, to a daughter, um, you know, those are the times that I, I definitely have those ups and downs or even I think when he was younger and I would see other kids like talking so much, um, and then mine wasn't, <clears throat> that was really hard, but we decided to move past that grief and do something positive with it. I hope that this, you know, is something positive that I'm doing, um, moving past that grief. Another thing was just really trying to educate the the community that I, that I live in. It's it's small, but it's big. We're about 90 minutes out of Los Angeles. So we're a little displaced from the probably um, forward thinking, I guess you could say, probably, um, you know, that happens in, in LA. But, you know, I've worked with my community to light it up blue, which was pretty cool. Um, I've been able to work with our local movie theater and, and help um, – coordinate these special needs friendly movies that happen once a month, hopefully once COVID is done. Um, and just some other things. Oh, A-Skate was one of them. I met uh, Chris Worley from A-Skate. We've been able to bring some autism skating clinics here. And and so these are just some of those amazing opportunities that have come along the way, which again, I think if Jacob was never diagnosed, you know, I would have never even known about these things. So, um, 
you know, I would just say if you're grieving right now, try to move past that grief. And I think that there have been a lot of positives. Like I said, some amazing people. I mean, you know, I guess on the plus, most kids move out when they become adults. I get to have my son with, with us for a very long time, which is, which is pretty cool. And, um, Yeah. So there are a lot of positives as well. You know, one of the things I wanted to mention is that why this is, has that word come or those words coming out of the fog on this podcast is because when Jacob was younger and and he just, he wasn't healthy and those meltdowns were happening like all the time. My, my husband found this internist down in Los Angeles that we started seeing and she taught me a lot about diet. And one of the things that we did find out is that he has like a gluten intolerance in the the cow's milk, the casein protein that's in the cow's milk and, and soy. He has like a, um, like an allergy to those things. And one of the things that she had told me was that, um, when a child's body can't, uh, digest those proteins, what happens is like an opioid effect. And that's why, you know, they don't feel pain the same way, or they might look a little, you know, glossy around their eyes. And Jacob actually had like, I look back at this one picture from Easter and his skin actually had like a gray tone to it. And when we started eliminating those things from his diet, it was truly like he was coming out of the fog. And I also think that this autism journey for us has been coming out of the fog because it was a very dark place at the beginning. And again, you know, those gray clouds turned into lighter gray clouds. And I think, you know, we're definitely starting to come out of the fog. And so it was really important to me to have um, those words, you know, in the title of this podcast. And I don't know, maybe I will uh, one day reach that goal of writing that book too. But um, yeah, this is really a labor of love. It's a, it's a passion project. It's a family project. My husband is helping me with the social media and my brother's helping me with the producing. And I'm going to throw some of his music in because he's a great musician and he's written some songs for the kiddos. And so I want to be able to highlight some of those. And then obviously my family, my kids continue to provide us with the content of this podcast. So I have no idea where this is going to go. Might not go anywhere. It might take off. I don't know. But I just, like I said at the beginning, I want to let people know that are going through this, that there is hope. There are some positive, um, moments or even long moments in this, um, journey. And I think that through it all, you can find a pretty, um, pretty positive life with it. And so you're not alone. Um, like I said, in the upcoming podcast, I'm going to talk about finding your tribe because I think that is so important when you find other people who get it exactly like you get it. I mean, who are living it 24 seven, like you are, it just makes the world of difference. And, um, I just want to send my love out to all of you and um, just stay positive. And I will see you next time, hopefully. And you can find me on Instagram. I have an Instagram page. It's called Our Journey with Autism Podcast. Um, So you'll find out about new episodes that are going to be dropping. And at this time, I'm going to say goodbye and thank you for listening today. And I'm going to uh, lead us out with my brother playing one of his amazing songs. So have a great day, everybody. Thank you. You are now a part in the whole of things Just like me alone in the pouring rain We are just a part in the whole of things All of us the same in the heart of things Please
to see what we've been missing when the darkness isn't strong enough to keep us from that spark of light that's further on it's just begun I'm now a part of the whole of things Just like me alone in the pouring rain We are just a part of the whole of things All of us the same in the heart of me You are now a part of the whole of things Just like me Just a part in the whole of things All of us the same